listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the annual meeting edition of Locked On Pharmacy, the only place for complete all-access coverage of APHA's 2023 annual meeting, which took place from March 24th through the 27th in Phoenix, Arizona. This special edition of Locked On Pharmacy includes interviews with APHA board members, senior leadership, guest speakers, and attendees. Whether you attended this year's meeting or plan to attend next year, listen now for exclusive information about practice, education, and legislative and regulatory issues, as well as discussion about the pharmacy topics that matter most to you. APHA's 2023 Annual Meeting Edition of Locked On Pharmacy is hosted and produced by the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You can find other episodes and more information on topics and guests via APHA's podcast website at podcasts.pharmacist.com. And now, welcome to a special edition of Locked On Pharmacy. When we come to APHA, if we don't see Dr. Michael Hogue, then something's missing. So you are here again. Here you are on Locked on Pharmacy, and we're excited to be talking with you. Oh, thanks for having me. You headed a panel that was very important um, earlier today, and it was about uh, social determinants of health and how people are negotiating um with themselves to pay for food versus medicine and it was kind of eye-opening and it, it kind of made us realize more that this is more than just about medication safety and management it's really about being servants to the to the public and public population public health give us an overview of that presentation for people that didn't get to listen in and they're listening to locked on pharmacy now and a little bit about kind of how it made you feel kind of leading that content well, I, I mean, I think one of the things um, we get so focused into what we do on a daily basis as pharmacists. I mean, we're we're trying to take care of patients, and we're so focused on medicines. And regardless of whether you're working in community pharmacy or long-term care facility or hospital, or wherever, we just get really focused on what it is we do. Yeah. And sometimes we lose the perspective or forget about the perspective that there's so many things outside of the medicines themselves that really impact. Uh, person's ability to have good health and to have optimal health. And, and those things can vary. It can be anything from transportation to a safe environment to sidewalks in their community. Yeah. It could be, you know, not an, not access to fresh foods and groceries. And, and, you know, we have food deserts in this country that are terribly there. And then there are people who, you know, um, don't have enough insurance coverage to be able to cover prescription drugs. And mm -hmm. so there's, there's so many of these things from outside the profession. So what we wanted to do today was to, to bring three pharmacists from three really different perspectives um, on stage and really talk about what they're doing from where they stand to, to engage their local community and to try to make an impact on these social determinants of health in unique ways, solve those problems so that individuals can use medications appropriately and actually um, have a healthier life. And so that's what we heard today and it was, it was incredibly inspiring for me personally. 
Um, and I, I know these three pharmacists pretty well now. And um, every time I hear their story, it just it, it, it puts a lump in my throat and, and really evokes um, some tremendous emotion because it, it really does get down to the individual. What we do as pharmacists, we love our patients. We care for our communities. And it was just, it was a really special moment for me and I think for the people who were in the audience. Well, I think it ties back very sincerely to the theme this year, which is rise in the face of adversity and what that means for the individual pharmacist, what it means for the pharmacist patients, and then from the patient, now it impacts the family, which in, 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 in literally it impacts the entire community. So having a pharmacist prepare themselves mentally that, hey, this is more than me counseling on a metformin or a drug drug exchange. So, Michael, for listeners that are thinking, I want to do more. I want to take more action. They've listened to the program. Maybe they didn't get to to attend this year's conference. What's your coaching to them to reach out to uh, what facet of APHA or even their stated organizations to get involved? Yeah, so two things I would say. Um, First of all, of course, APHA does have resources, and there's a special interest group on caring for the underserved uh, within the Academy of Pharmacy Practice and Management. Pharmacists can join that group. Um, It doesn't cost anything to be a member of that uh, group in addition to your APHA membership, so it's a great way to get engaged um, on this topic. The second thing I would just tell you is um, no matter who your employer is, look for opportunities to connect within your community. Um, Most of the problems that relate to social determinants of health are are things that pharmacists cannot solve on their own at the pharmacy, but we can be good connectors. And Mm -hmm. I I say pharmacists need to be good dot connectors. We Mm -hmm. need to help our patients connect the dots to the resources they need to have those happier, healthier, more fulfilled lives. And so if we can just find in our own communities where those resources lie. They might be a community center, it might be a social worker, there might be a community health worker you can connect with. Figure out where those resources are in your own communities and then just systematically begin connecting your patients where they need those helps. And, you know, maybe you don't have time in your practice because you don't have enough staffing, there's not enough people there to support you being able to have long conversations with patients. That's great. Put together a one-pager of resources in your community where that you can hand to patients and say, look, you you know, this is a resource you might want to reach out to that could help you with this issue or that issue. Pharmacists have the potential not only to affect the individual patient, but we heard today generations, families, uh, entire uh, communities can be impacted by just helping one patient make these connections. It can be life-transforming and life-changing. We we heard some of those stories today, and they were very emotional stories. And so we know pharmacists can make this difference, and it's really why most of us got into the profession. And so I just, you know, I, I urge everybody, think about that. Think about why you chose to become a pharmacist, and then and then help your patients connect with whatever it is they need in the community. And and we all rise uh, as a result of that. Agreed. Dr. Michael Hogue, thank you so much for participating in this Lockdown Pharmacy at APHA 2023. Thank you. APHA 2023 Lockdown Pharmacy podcast. We have a special guest today. Dr. Lydia Bailey with St. Vincent de Paul Charitable Pharmacy. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. 
Um, you know, podcasting is, there's, for me, I've been a listener for over 20 years. We've been podcasting for 14. But for our listeners that don't realize, you're standing here in front of the booth with your little one <laughs> strapped to you. Eight-week baby. This is so hilarious. You can't see this, but it's the most precious thing. So you're the winner of the of the yes. podcast guests. You got to do life with baby in tow. Yeah. <laughs> you, had to, you had to, like be the winner of the, the cute pose or whatever. So we're going to have to yeah. definitely take a picture. But let's talk about your presentation because I think it was very special. Um, you know, rise in the face of an adver- adversity is the theme this year. And there's so many things that kind of plug into what that theme means. Mm-hmm. Um, burnout of pharmacists, what they go through, career transition, um, uh, transitions of care, empathetic um, understanding of what a patient's going through. Mm -hmm. Give us just a little short overview for those who didn't get to see your presentation about what you were talking about and how important it was uh, for our conference this year. Yeah, I feel really lucky that they asked me to speak and it was really to represent the sector of charitable pharmacies. And so thinking about the face of adversity, it was more the adversity our patients have when they can't afford their medicine. Mm -hmm. And that's where my experience comes from is being able to provide medicine for free. And so I come from St. Vincent de Paul Charitable Pharmacy in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we've dispensed over $100 million worth of medications for free since we've opened. And the need is still growing. You know, every day people express Even with insurance, I still can't afford my medications. What am I supposed to do now? And they come to our pharmacy, and we're able to provide their medications for free, provide clinical services for free. And so we do a sit-down appointment with every patient. Every six months, we review all their diseases, go over all their meds, provide education. And so we're really doing this whole-person care. And because we're not billing services, we found a way to track our metrics with estimated cost avoidance. And I think it's really important with social determinants of health. A lot of this isn't billable stuff yet, but we can still show that it's valuable if we tie a dollar amount to it. So if you get someone to quit smoking, that prevented a life-threatening emergency. There's a dollar amount with that. If you refer them to primary care, you prevented an emergency room visit. And so we add that up. We show over $5 million every year, just our pharmacy alone, with these interventions that aren't tied to billable services yet, and we can still show how valuable they are, and then we get paid when we show that to funders or grant writers or even the local healthcare system. So it's a it's a cool thing are, that we can do. Do you think that this program could be documented in a way that could be spread to other parts of our country where community pharmacies or microchains or even some of our health system pharmacies who are starting to build community pharmacies out of their health system, that they could repeat what you've done. Yeah, it's outcomes-based community care. So you can focus on dispensing metrics, but you can't stop there anymore. We have to show that the medicine we give to patients is making them healthier. So are their A1Cs getting lower, their blood pressure's lowering? So in your pharmacy setting, whatever it is, you can just pick one thing to start on. Okay, I'm going to start making sure anybody who comes and is a smoker that I refer them to the proper NRT or whatever it may be, and I'm going to start documenting this and track how many times did I talk to them about this? How many times was I successful? And if it's not billable yet, you use another dollar metric. So I absolutely think community pharmacies, big or small, can start moving in this idea. And what's so key with that is when we start moving towards outcomes, pharmacists are no longer viewed as the dispenser, but a healthcare provider, you know? And then that's when we'll start getting paid for this stuff. Absolutely. So is this something that you are doing 
within um, St. Vincent de Paul to show that it can be repeatable and you can pass it to another, I don't know, another health um, covered entity or something that FHA, is it FHAQ? FQHC. FQHC, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Some sort of many, letters, yeah. One of the alphabet soups. Yes. But is that something that could be, you had a manual that you said, this is how to implement the program in order to repeat it? Yeah, and we started doing that with just charitable pharmacy services. So there's a uh, a charitable pharmacy handbook, basically. So if someone wanted to start their own charitable pharmacy, that exists, and we've contributed to that. And that gets you up to the prescription dispensing, and then what we're talking about is kind of that next step, the outcomes-based care. And that, I haven't seen a manual yet for that, but we would be happy to talk through it because this is where the whole profession needs to go. This yep. isn't just a one-sector type deal. You know, this applies to all of us. Well, you're a guest on Locked on Pharmacy, but Locked on Pharmacy is going to continue to do podcasting and collection of people in our industry that are leaders and innovators. So I think you should come back and really expand this program and bring yeah. some of your um, your work associates, bring some of the collaborative care that you've done with nurses and primary care and yeah. specialists. But I want to just offer the platform to you and use it to get your messaging out. But um, Dr. Thank Bailey, you. thank you for so much for being part of today. Thank you so much. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. listening to Locked on Pharmacy, where we talk about health, public health, and health policy topics from the perspective of pharmacists all across the U.S. And today we are at APHA. Yeah. We're actually talking to one of our keynote speakers, Dr. Danielle James, yes. and we want to talk about health equity in the profession. So why don't you go ahead and unpack that for us today? Sure. So I am a pharmacy manager with Walgreens. So today um, we spoke a lot about health equity in the undeserved communities, predominantly African-American community, Hispanic community. So these are things that we're trying to make sure that they are getting like access to vaccines, medication, making sure that if they don't have like a primary care, um, a PCP, that we are working with them and doing things that we need to do. So um, today was very insightful, very educating everyone on the importance of health literacy, how important it is to make sure that we reach out to our patients and each patient does matter as a pharmacist. Mm. So yeah. in, your, in your role, yeah. how do you make that easier for workers to do in practice sites that might be really busy? Because that might be a desire, yeah. but people might not feel like they have the time or the capacity to do that. So what are you looking to to improve that? So for me, um, I work for Walgreens. So they give us actually like this year and for the past couple years since the pandemic, they're giving us more access to kind of lead, to kind of let the pharmacist do more of the clinical work by we get this thing called micro fulfillment right now. So we are getting like a good percentage of our medications actually be processed and sent to us so that we can free up our time to kind of really you know, counsel our patients and things like that, as well as we're getting extra help. Like, we know now that community pharmacy is not the ideal thing right now. But I will say with Walgreens, they are being very helpful with making sure that pharmacists can lead up, like, just have more time. Because it's, it's busy. It's busy. We saw it in the pandemic. We saw how things were, like, stressful. But the thing that, you know, Walgreens is really keen on is making sure that, one, the pharmacists don't get burnt out. You hear these things, but they're creating new programs or initiatives to make sure that pharmacists can, can really utilize this um, 
like our degree, basically. So you want to make sure that I can counsel these patients. I have time to talk to them. I'm not feeling like everything is like a timely thing. So I think that's the biggest thing. And how do you see this benefiting patients in, in trying to figure this out on their behalf? I think that it builds a better patient pharmacist relationship in terms of them really not feeling scared. I feel like with everything, people feel like we don't have time as pharmacists. Not true. It's just really us building that relationship with the population that we are working in. I work in the urban community, so for me, I I treat every patient as if that's my family member. So mm. for me, it's like I have to do the best that I can with the time that I have to make sure that each patient that comes through their door, they feel that as a pharmacist, if they have a question, I'm here to help them. Mm. So, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I is there any parting words that you have to even encourage pharmacists, students even, that mm -hmm. are coming into the profession when it comes to equity for the public? One thing I would say is get a good mentor. To be honest, you hear these stories about how pharmacists, and, and I work in the community setting, so I am in, in the nitty-gritty of everything, but I would say work with companies that are going to give you access to have a voice, that give you the time where you feel like I'm really utilizing my degree. And then two, mentors. Mentors help guide you in this thing called pharmacy because it's small. But mentors can help you with, hey, maybe don't take this too soon. You might want to just sit back a little bit or give you the go-to steps of how to maneuver in this pharmacy world. Because it, it only gets better if we are educated, if we have good mentors and companies that actually work with us. And I think that's the biggest thing. So mentorship, let's just keep that in mind. Because community pharmacy, I know, I get it. Everybody says it sucks, but I actually genuinely love it. I feel supported by my company and the leaders that we have in Chicago. So, yeah. Love it. Thank you yes. so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. Hey, I'm Todd Yuri with the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And I'm Dr. Candice Olushala. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Locked, Locked on, on Pharmacy. Pharmacy. A perspective of pharmacist and pharmacy care is the future of pharmacy. We are at the APHA 2023. It's brought to you by Omnipod. It wouldn't be a pharmacy conference here, Locked On Pharmacy Podcast, if we didn't have the, the perspective of our future pharmacists, our, our students. Sarah Kroll is a P2. Um, Sarah, why did you want to become a pharmacist? Yeah, um, so, Basically, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes um, when I was 13, and I've always had a love for science. I've always thought science was super cool, and I was like, how can I kind of marry the two um, and still share my perspective with diabetes and get to do science for a living? And so um, as I kind of went through high school and undergrad and all that stuff, um, pharmacy just kind of felt right, and so here I am. <laughs> this is awesome. Um, so give a shout out for your school. Which school of pharmacy are you at? Yeah, so I go to the University of Tennessee Health Science Center College of Pharmacy. Uh, go Vols. Um, but yeah, it's been great. They've been so supportive. I can't say enough good things about the school. So I want you to kind of give a perspective. You have a really unique perspective because you are not only someone who has experienced diabetes yourself, but now you're moving towards caring for other patients that you're going to be able to take your experience. And I think that's going to become a more, much more powerful treatment per se, because there's going to be an empathy and understanding. 
Let's talk about needles. All your, how, how long of a time, you said 13, how long was it that you were having to use needles and, and talk about the, you know, the, the issues that come along with that? <laughs> yeah, so I've been diabetic for about a decade now um, and I started out doing insulin injections with syringes. I did that for probably about half a year to a year. Then I did insulin pens for a long time. Um, and really, you know, you do what you have to do. You know, you have to have insulin to survive, but just kind of having to do an injection every time I ate, you know, I was a moody teenager and I didn't want people to see me giving an injection in the middle of a restaurant or whatever. And it was just kind of cumbersome after a while. Um, but yeah, I had to do what you had to do. Yes. So now there's technology that enables you to set it and forget it in some ways and just move on with your life. Um, talk about the Omnipod's impact on your life specifically. Like, what's that like? Yeah, um, so honestly, the Omnipod has really changed my life. Um, I'm a very busy person, and I, have, I go from place to place all the time, and I'm constantly doing things, and so I tend to forget sometimes. Um, and just being able to just pull out my um, PDM and just punch it in, it is so easy. And especially now with the Smart Adjust and the um, that's adjusting my basal based on my readings, it is completely changed my life, taken out so much of the math and the guesswork and all the things that made me not feel like I can live my life all the way I wanted to when I was diabetic, um, or when I am diabetic. Um, and it's just, it's really just made my life easier. I think that's the bottom line of it. So what I think of more importantly, and I'm not to, not to, um, focus on you specifically, but even more important than just you as a provider, as a, as a pharmacist, you're seeing how this is impacting your life. So now you have a patient that comes in that has um, spiraling issues and controlling their own diabetes. And now you get to advocate and say, here's a technology system that if you implement, it's going to impact you differently because you know as a, as a user yourself. So talk about how you think when you become a pharmacist in two years about um, <laughs> What, how's that going to impact you as an individual, as a care provider? Yeah, um, I really love the example that you gave about the spiraling diabetic because that was me for multiple, multiple years. And it's really just been within, you know, the time that I've had the Omnipod in just the past few years that I've really gotten a, more of a handle on it. And so I think my big thing is just advocating for patients by giving them that empathy because I know what it's like to have been in their shoes. And that's really what I feel like my purpose is in life. You know, obviously I'm not sure what the future will hold for me, but if I can just impact patients with diabetes in one way or another, whether that's showing them how amazing this technology is or if there's something else that's right for them, um, I just love that I get to show them at least what's worked for me and how it's changed my life and how I think it can help them as well. Sarah, we want to thank you for being part of the APHA 2023 Locked on Pharmacy coverage of the conference and, and really talking to us about the Omnipod technology. So thank you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. This has been great. APHA 2023, one of the biggest components of the transformation of pharmacy is technology. That's where I came from. 2004, I entered pharmacy and long-term care, the very first SQL-based system in long-term care software management. I like being part of innovation. 
Omnipod, who is a sponsor of the 2023 APHA Locked On Pharmacy podcast, is here with me today. I'd like to introduce Jeremy Ng and Dean Munsterman uh, to our show. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you? Very well. Thanks. Yeah, doing great. So I want to jump right in. So automated insulin management is rather new to the marketplace, and that is what, um, three, four years that it's even been out? So I want to kind of like pitch it to you guys and tell us about what does this do for diabetes management from the pharmacist's perspective? A pharmacist listening right now that hasn't really implemented the Omnipod system, what's this doing for their patient? Yeah, I, th I think the first thing, Todd, and we really appreciate the opportunity to you know come talk about this. I mean, the first thing is pharmacists just didn't have the opportunity to engage with patients around insulin pumps in the past. So, you know, just them being able to kind of continue to work with the patients beyond just doing blood glucose monitoring and, you know, and how to take their insulin and now being able to put that into a therapy and an insulin pump to just get better control, better quality of life, that's huge in of itself. But then if we take that to the next step, which is the AID or automated insulin delivery technology we're talking about here today, that takes it up to a whole new level in terms of just better, um, better control, better quality of life for patients. And pharmacists have the opportunity to engage with this technology for the first time you know, in their you know, career. And I think that's so important because within our team and within Insulate, we believe that how we deliver innovation is just as important as the innovation we deliver. And the pharmacist is at the center of that, and also they're the last healthcare touch point before the patient gets the product, which is really, really critical. So they can really set off the patient off on the right next step. The disruption of people's lives with needles, the storage, the, the nervousness, sometimes the embarrassment, the, and it, it's, not, it's not convenient. And now you have this system that's on you that's able to inject the mi little minutes you know, of, of insulin as you go forward within the day. That's where the pharmacist can really come in and coach and show them the differentiation of, of the ups and downs. And now you're having this more plateau world that the patients are living in. Pharmacists need to know that. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think the, the reality is, is that, you know, Omnipod introduced the Omnipod 5 system uh, last year. And we had tremendous uptake of that system. And really, at the end of the day, you're just combining two great technologies, right? You're combining, you're combining the Omnipod patch pump therapy, and you're combining that with the Dexcom G6 uh, CGM technology. And those working together and interacting with each other, allowing that insulin to be adjusted automatically by the trending of those blood glucose, it just takes so much work off of the patient and allows the technology to do the work. All right, so when we come back, uh, we're going to listen in. Uh, with, we have more questions for you, Jeremy. We'll be right back. We'd like to thank our podcast sponsors for supporting our programs. Here's a quick message. Insulate, makers of Omnipod, are committed to simplifying the lives of people with insulin-dependent diabetes. Omnipod 5 Automated Insulin Delivery System Aid is indicated for people with type 1 diabetes ages 2 years and older. Omnipod 5 is the first and only tubeless aid system in the United States that is exclusively available in the pharmacy. The Omnipod 5 combines a tubeless, waterproof, wearable pod that integrates with Dexcom G6 CGM to automatically adjust insulin based on glucose trends every five minutes. For more information on this innovative technology, visit Omnipod.com. Disclaimers, the pod has an IP28 rating for up to 25 feet for 60 minutes. 
The Omnipod 5 controller is not waterproof. The Dexcom G6 is sold separately and requires a separate prescription. Visit Omnipod.com safety for additional important safety information. And we're back. Hey, this is APHA Locked on Pharmacy. This is coverage of our annual event, but we're here with a sponsor of our coverage of this event, um, Omnipod. And we were talking about technology. We we're talking about specifically what community pharmacists should understand about this technology. Uh, Dean, I kind of wanted to open it up to you so you and Jeremy can kind of dig into the highlights of what you want community pharmacies and pharmacists to understand. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think uh, it's so exciting to be here and actually talk to pharmacists, talk to the pharmacy community, because you know many of them not had the exposure to Omnipod or uh, our products. And so it gives us an opportunity to educate them to some of the nuances of actually dispensing it to patients uh, if they've not seen it before. So things, you know, simple things like uh, you know, patient, when they go on an Omnipod, they don't need uh, long-acting insulin anymore. You know, now they're just going to, you know, uh, they're going to use short-acting insulin for their Omnipod pump. Uh, you know, to start, they're going to, you're going to do a starter kit. And then month two and beyond that, now they've got refills that they're doing. And so there's just nuances to our product, and this gives us a great opportunity to really educate around that so that when that patient shows up at the pharmacy, they're ready to be able to support and make sure they help, help them get started on therapy. Jeremy, what is the implementation period and understanding someone who got used to the world of needles and got used to the world of storage and got, you know, they, that's been their life. And now they're implementing and they're moving to the Omnipod. Kind of describe to the pharmacists so that they hear it from the, they're almost like their patient's perspective of what they should be thinking about and helping that implementation go as smoothly as possible. Wonderful question. And that touch point with the patient is so important because that's when they're getting the product and then setting the, for the right next step. And so as the pharmacist is dispensing that intro kit, which is the, the starter kit that Dean mentioned uh, initially, that's going to have everything that they need to get started. However, we need to make sure that the pharmacist knows they need to go to onipod.com backslash training to enable them to go through the connection period uh, process to speak with someone from Omnipod and actually get all the knowledge that they're going to need in order to get started started and have good success on the therapy. And that's where they go. Um, they figure out how to like do their basal bolus, put in their settings, uh, pair with Dexcom, and do all those things that are going to enable them to you know, have a very positive experience with the product. So when you think of the education for the pharmacist first, what is happening from the healthcare provider to prepare them to get their patients ready to implement the automation in insulin dispensing. What is, what is the coaching that you're giving to our pharmacists who are, there's some of them that are really versed and specialists in diabetes care. There's ones that are not, aren't so much. Does this help to kind of bridge that gap for them to kind of accelerate this new way of caring for patients with diabetes? Well, I think there's a lot that we do need to do. Like, it, it's we're, we're still very nascent. It's it's we're early days, and this technology is incredible. But it's only been on the market this uh, automated insulin delivery for the past few years, and so it's it's one of our missions to get out there to help pharmacists understand 
this wonderful technology exists, they're at the core of enabling patients to access it because it's only available through the pharmacy. And I think that there's a lot more comfort that we need to uh, help people understand as far as these go through pharmacy, like there's this algorithm that predicts in the future that they need to have awareness of and how it works. There's these companion devices and a connected system, you know, that we want people to know about. And also there's a lot of opportunities for the future because uh, we're getting all this data. It's helping to drive improved outcomes and, you know, we, we need to know what to do and when to do and how to do it. Dean, what's the sh gear shift to get the physician that's, that's the primary care that's that needs the data, that needs the follow-up. How does, sh t talk to our listeners about the patient, the pharmacist, the technology, the primary care, how does kind of all, how do you intend this to all fit together? Yeah, I um, I think I think the first thing that I really want to just touch on is the pharmacists, you know, they're the bridge to getting started on therapy, right? The physician decided this person needs to be on Omnipod, and they've written that script. But there's probably questions that didn't get, maybe didn't get answered yet or get addressed. Or they, or they, they were said, but they didn't retain that when they were with their physician. And so our hope is that pharmacists, as they become more knowledgeable about our technology, they'll be able to answer a lot of those questions. So fill the gaps, if you will, to help make sure this person moves forward with therapy. And then the next thing is so, so important, and Jeremy touched on it, which is that training component, right? We're delivering insulin here. So we want to make sure that a patient who's naive to Omnipod, naive to insulin pumping, that they get some instruction and some training around that. So after that script's been filled, the next thing is we need that patient to go to omnipod.com forward slash setup so that they can get that proper instruction they need. And the pharmacist is so key in making that connection to that. And then what's the benefit? What's the payoff of all that? The payoff is with Omnipod 5, our newest technology, that automated insulin delivery system that Jeremy was talking about, that that's streaming data to the cloud. There's a SIM card in that product, and it's, it's constantly streaming data that's available to the patient, that's available to the providers, to the pharmacists that they choose to share it with. And that allows that pharmacist, that provider, to begin to engage with that patient in a different way because they've just got that robust data that they can understand what's going on with that person's diabetes, where do they need help. Um, so it sets us up, making sure we have that continuity from the prescription was written to the patient gets successfully started in therapy, sets us up for all these future things that we can do. We really appreciate the support that Omnipod has given to the Pharmacy Podcast Network, supporting us in the Locked on Pharmacy Podcast here at APHA 2023. Dean, give a call out to our listening pharmacists, maybe the ones that didn't get to come to the conference. They do want more information on Omnipod. Let's talk about the best place to go for that information. Yeah. So if a pharmacist um, wants more information on Omnipod technology innovation, uh, particularly Omnipod 5, our new automated insulin delivery system, I think the best place that we can send them is to omnipod.com backslash HCP. And they can really uh, get up to speed on a lot of these things that we've been talking about. And oh, by the way, we started a new podcast series with you guys um, that's specific <laughs> to pharmacists and to Omnipod and uh, really starts with the story of Omnipod and how we became a technology and what it means to patients and providers. And we're going to continue to delve in deeper into the technology and how it works and all these exciting things in the future months ahead. So that's another great resource that's available at that website as well. Omnipod has a monthly show that they dedicate 
dedicate to our pharmacists and healthcare providers. If you are listening right now and you've had success with Omnipod, we would love to hear from you because you are inspirational to other pharmacists that really want to get into this technology and leverage this technology for their communities. So, Dean, that was a great mention of the Omnipod podcast. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So excited to be here. So excited to support pharmacists. So important to our patients with diabetes journey. Thank you for listening to this uh, episode of the Locked on Pharmacy podcast here at APHA 2023. Locked on Pharmacy podcast listeners, what you're about to hear is become a tradition here at the APHA. This is APHA 2023. And I'm welcoming back uh, Shane Gerritsen, future pharmacist within weeks. We're talking about Dr. Gerritsen in a couple weeks here, huh? Yo, yeah, yeah. Just a couple weeks, it's right around the corner. I'm so excited. I bet. Yeah. It's a long road, isn't it? It is a long road. Yeah, <laughs> especially for me, because I'm like a couple years older than most of the folks in my class. So it's, it's, it's daunting, but almost done. <laughs> If the listeners don't know, um, Shane came to um, me three or four years ago and um, had an idea to launch a show that had already been basically baked and ready. It was called Let's Farmanize. And you really put a spin on podcasting to make it funny, to make it tied into pop culture. Mm -hmm. We talked about Marvel. We talked about different movies. And we tied in the pharmacological kind of aspect to it. What made you want to podcast in the beginning? Like, why why is that a medium that, that you kind of, like, were drawn towards? It's that's it's kind of a funny story. So me and my friend in, in pharmacy school, his name's Cal Vandegrift, he's the co-host, uh, he actually brought the idea to me first. He, we both had an interest in pharmacy. We like to talk about, like, drugs in movies, drugs, the history of drugs. Um, and obviously we have an interest in, in medicine because we're in pharmacy school. And he already had the experience in the background with, like, audio stuff because he, he's, a, he's a musician, he's a performer. Um, and I, um, I love to talk, so clearly there's a, there's a marriage of our ideas there. And he brought this idea to me. He was like, hey, we should do a pharmacy podcast. And I thought about it, and I was like, you know, that sounds like a lot of fun. I feel like that would be really, really cool. That was the goal was just to have, have fun with it, mm-hmm. share what we care about, which is, is pharmacy. And we think it's, it's fascinating, and it's um, always, always opportunities to, to learn, like constantly. That's one of the things that we, that we love to do and that, that I love to do is like continue learning and, and just, uh, just marinating in all the, the wealth of information that we, that we have about pharmacy. Um, but we also, we love to have fun too. So it's, it's the podcast Let's Pharmanize is, is really lighthearted. We talk about uh, drugs in movies. He did a great episode on the drug in Limitless, which mm-hmm. is one of the more famous uh, fictional drugs. Right, um, I wish I had film. that drug. That'd be pretty cool, yeah, <laughs> it'd be pretty cool. Um, and then we've got some, some friends in our class as well, Justin and, and Mickey. They do uh, pop culture like the Marvel movies, and Mickey does a lot of our cool history stuff. Um, we've got another other, we've got lots of other students on, but they're some of our frequent flyers. They brought a lot of great content for us. Um, it's a great experience with our fellow classmates. We've had a few professors on the podcast mm-hmm. as well, talking about some of their, their work and their experience with... Um, I think we talked about like virology with like COVID-19 and stuff like that. But yeah, it's been a really great experience. Lots of opportunities for networking. It's really cool to meet someone from another school and then be like, yeah, I host a podcast. And they say, oh, I've listened to that. So that's that's <laughs> that been one why. of my favorite things about it. You know, I I want to shift gears. That's kind of like the fun side of Shane Garrison. But then there's a, the very, <laughs> a very serious side and someone who is on a mission and 
you developed a very important series on our network called Gender Affirmed. And I was so proud of that series because um, when I'm running as CEO of Pharmacy Podcast Network, it's, it's different today than it was when I started 14 years ago. I'm more in the chasing the overall opportunities to bring pharmacists' voices and then sometimes trying to get that sponsored by industry so that we get more listens to it because for some reason sponsor content just gets more listens. I think maybe it's because someone made an investment so they're going to help to get it out, get the content out. But Gender Affirmed, when you brought that series to us, I think it had already been outlined. I think you kind of already knew what it was going to be um, be about. And But I want you to share with our listeners about that uh, series. And the reason why I want you to share is because I want to do a follow-up. Like I want to, I want the next series, you know, um, and I'm thinking we're going to go to AP, um, PPA, Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association, who's Let's Talk, uh, they have something called Let's Talk Stigma. Yeah. And I'd like Let's Talk Stigma to become stigma in all of healthcare. So not just opioid use disorder, but also let's talk stigma around transgender, um, uh, re, you know, affirming care or, or anything that could be stigma driven because stigma keeps us from moving forward in treatment on multiple levels. But share with our listeners about uh, Gender Affirmed. Absolutely, yeah, thank you for, for bringing that up. So Gender Affirmed was a project that was uh, a long time in the making actually, it sort of spawned from uh, APHA annual last year where me and my classmates and some other institutions as well, we passed a policy in the student house advocating for a gender affirming therapy and support and inclusion in the pharmacy and a representation in, in our, our software as well because a lot of um, pharmacy and hospital software is not very inclusive. They don't have options for um, chosen names and affirmed names and genders or, or anatomical inventory, which can be really important for insurance purposes. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a, one of the things that we really pushed for, and we got the policy passed, and we thought we'd pair it with a, um, a podcast series. So it's a limited series. It was five episodes. Um, we talked to some of the most amazing people from like all over the country. We talked to some pharmacist practitioners who are providing gender affirming therapy. We talked to a legislator based out of Virginia who passed some legislator, I think two or three years ago, um, preventing or, or prohibiting discrimination based on affirmed gender or, or gender identity um, for insurance purposes. And that's like some of the like exemplary legislation that's been passed. Virginia's got some very forward uh, legislature. California as well has got some protective legislature. So that was that was one factor we we um, wanted to talk about, and then we also had a an episode about stigma too, because mm -hmm. stigma is really really foundational for mm -hmm. for all of this. For that's where all of this, the the, the issues and the discrimination, it all stems from from perpetuated stigma that just like keeps gnawing at us for the past like 50 plus you know years, decades for 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 ages in in healthcare, and that's a huge issue. And if we are able to address stigma, which you can only really address by just talking about, by normalizing things. The group that we talked with, the Triad Health Project in North Carolina, they're an HIV prep and PEP initiative. So they're, they're local to, to where I am. They're a fantastic organization. I've had a couple opportunities to work with them. But that was one of their, their biggest things is just approaching and destigmatizing uh, HIV and PrEP and PEP therapy just by normalizing it because it is normal. It's it's uh, HIV is something that is is a normal factor of of life for many many individuals and it's extremely livable too. It's 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 extremely treatable. It's, it's livable. Individuals with with HIV can 
live absolutely normal normal lives. Yep. And it's something that shouldn't be shouldn't be stigmatized. Yet it yet it still is, and the stigma is still perpetuated. It all stems from advocacy. It's all that's what like, all of this is about. Like my work with the state association is all about advocacy. That's all about communicating with our state legislators, trying to expand pharmacy practice in, in North Carolina, which is where I'm based. And then I work with, with APHA on the national level, too. I'm on the part of the new business review committee where we look at policies that are proposed to the House of Delegates. And we, we review them. That's what we're working on this, this weekend, actually. We had a very lovely four-hour session yesterday. <laughs> it was a breeze. Um, <laughs> but lots of people, you know, they've got a lot of really, really strong feelings about, about pharmacy and about caring for patients, and that's important. That's fantastic, and that's why that's one of the things we do is we kind of figure out the general consensus of the, of the House and try to, try to appease and also aggregate uh, statements into uh, cohesive policies for, for APHA. Um, so that's been this, this year and this weekend's experience really cool at the national level. But the, um, the state stuff, I will say that the state advocacies, um, I don't want to say it's my favorite, because I do also, I love the APHA advocacy as well, but there is a, there's always going to be a special uh, place in my heart for NCAP, which is the North Carolina Association of Pharmacists. Uh, so I'm, I'm the chair of the Student Pharmacist Forum, which is the group of, is the, the student portion of our state association. So I, I lead uh, a team of student leaders from all the four North Carolina pharmacy schools. We coordinate events. Um, and we coordinate our biggest flagships called the Advocacy Series, mm -hmm. where students learn to advocate and they, they learn about the, the state legislative process, particularly for North Carolina. And then it culminates where we actually go to the state capital, which is in Raleigh, in North Carolina, and we meet with legislators. So that's coming up April 19th. I'm very excited about that. So, cool. so any North Carolina students listening, I hope to see you there. Absolutely. Give them a shout out. And so I want to keep supporting you, but someone that has invested in their industry and their profession at the level that you have means that there's other things coming. You are going to pass the, the baton to other pharmacy students to kind of lead pharmacy student efforts, and you're going to move to what I would say even the bigger legs of different things that are happening. So on, on your map of your career, and I hate when people say, where do you see yourself in five years? So that's not the question I'm gonna ask you, but I am gonna ask you, like, what do you see yourself doing next after you graduate? What sector of pharmacy do you wanna go into? That's a really good question. And that's, um, you know, very, hot topic for students at this point in our careers, like towards this, the end of the final year of pharmacy school, is figuring out where you're going to go, if you're going to go down the residency path, if you're mm -hmm. going to go into the, uh, the workforce and start working in a community pharmacy or a hospital setting. So where I started in pharmacy was in a community setting, in a retail setting. Um, and I worked there for actually five years before even starting pharmacy school. And I, I loved it. I, that's what triggered me to go to pharmacy school was I, I loved the interactions with patients. I loved developing these, these long longitudinal relationships with patients over the course of years, getting to know them and getting to care about them and them knowing me and trusting me and, and working with the pharmacist as well and learning about medication too. And you were a tech? I was a tech, okay. yeah. Uh, yeah, I was a tech and then I was, I was actually the lead tech at our, at our store. Um, and I, I, I love learning about medication too, and that's something that I've been able to maintain with like the podcast and and just it's I, I don't know I, some people they like get like you know bogged down by the curriculum, but to me it's just like give me more like it, I don't know it's so medicine's so interesting, yeah. and if you like get it, I mean, you can get fatigued by it. Mm -hmm. I won't say it's not it's not a little bit tiresome sometimes, but I feel like there's always something new you know on the on the horizon, and and it's that's what keeps me going is like learning about more and, and being able to to do more. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what's happening with artificial intelligence in especially rare disease states where mm -hmm. the AI is saying, we see based on the data from all these other patients that have been on this medication, that they're going to feel like this on a 86% basis. Therefore, the pharmacist gets to say, hey patient, you might feel a little nauseated now over the next nine days or whatever. But I mean, I think pharmacists designing algorithms and designing programs in the realm of AI is something that I'm personally like super interested in because I'm a nerd in science fiction field. Oh yeah, I mean, I think AI is is super cool. Um, I think it's also, it's a little intimidating sometimes. Yep. So I don't know if you're familiar with like the chat GPT. Yes. So it, I had a little bit of fun with it this past week, but my, my wife, uh, Kelly, she's a high school English teacher. So she's now getting to see that the students have figured out how to use chat GPT oh, to write their essays. Goodness. So that's something that she's been having to crack down on. And it's a, it's a so high school kids watch out because it's an automatic zero in, in Miss Kerr's class if you use chat GPT. So don't do it. <laughs> now, if it were me, because back in the day when I had zero internet, this back in my day because oh I didn't have anything, um, I, would look, I would look at a textbook or an encyclopedia and I would take out a very specific sentence and I would just rewrite it in my own language. Can, can someone get away with that in, in your, your wife's class? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's paraphrasing. I mean, I feel like, you know, a lot of people have different perspectives on like what, you know, I think we're getting a little tangential, a little off topic for pharmacy. <laughs> we are. <laughs> but, you know, when it comes to like, I think para, I don't think paraphrasing is plagiarism. Right. But that's, you know. But you have to give references. Yeah, you got to give references if it's not your own, your own ideas. Well, I'm excited about you and your, your, your leadership in pharmacy already. Um, you've always been a leader, which has been uh, amazing to see. Obviously, we're going to keep supporting you. Um, we want you back. I can't wait to hear what the next podcast series is going to be <laughs> because I'm just waiting for it to drop, or at least the idea to drop. But I appreciate you being here at APHA 2023 and being part of the post show. Yeah, I appreciate you being here. This is fantastic. It's always good to talk to you. But yeah, so we, um, me and Cal, we actually talked about it. Hopefully, we'll get a, a reunion, reunion episode, a special little little mini-series maybe, maybe just one or two episodes, but we'll see over the next couple of months while we're studying for our boards. We'd like it. Yeah. All right. Nice to hear from you, Shane. Thank you, Todd. Thanks for joining us for APHA's 2023 Annual Meeting Edition of Locked On Pharmacy. APHA thanks all of our members, attendees, guests, and presenters for making the 2023 Annual Meeting a spectacular success. Make sure to visit us at podcasts.pharmacist.com, where you can find more information about today's topics and guests. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to ensure you never miss an episode. Questions about this show, tips for the podcast team, or how you can contribute to a future episode? Shoot us an email at lockedonpharmacy@aphanet.org. This has been a special edition of Locked On Pharmacy, a proud member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Views expressed by guests represent the individual guests and not APHA, unless otherwise stated. <laughs>